from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is Friday, the 26th of January, and I hope you're having a great day with some exciting plans for the weekend. Can you believe that it is already the end of January? My gosh, time goes when you're as old as we are. We have a fantastic show for you today. First up, Nicholas Svensson is with us. He is the guy behind the smart board. You know that white board that you draw on? or do business classes on or whatever. I have a business meeting and it take notes automatically. You know, those really cool interactive boards. Nicholas is that guy. They're like the Kleenex. You know, they are the, their brand name is the same thing as the product. And so like Xerox or Kleenex, I need a Kleenex tissue. You know, it's ubiquitous. So anyway, very excited to speak with them. I don't think ubiquitous is the right word there. Ubiquitous means everywhere. Uh, where I was, I was describing a product that has become the, their brand name is the industry name. I'm not sure how, or the product category. I'm not sure how, what word is right for that. Anyway, I'll move on. After that, we have Mabel Katz with us. She is one of the world's premier ho-ho, ponopono experts. Ho-ho, ponopono is the Hawaiian belief on how to live your life. There's a lot more to it than that. She will describe it in great detail. It is the key to happiness and success and stability. And it's a very interesting Hawaiian concept. You may remember that I lived in Hawaii for graduate school. The only thing I wanted then was to work at Coca-Cola. I ended I did ended up working at Coca-Cola in Japan which was my dream and then the dream turned into a nightmare as so many of them do I was convinced that my entire life would be a corporate guy and Coca-Cola Japan decided other words otherwise they decided that I was not right for their culture and that I wouldn't fit in long term and they suggested I do something different, like go start a business. Seriously, that's 100% true. And I did. But I still love Coke. Anyway, great show today. We're going to discuss Ho'oponopono. And you will learn what it is. We'll be right back. Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. 
We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us on this great Friday. Remember, it's a choice. We're going to make it great. Very excited to introduce my first guest. His name is Nicholas Svensson. He is the CEO of Smart Technologies. They're an incredible Canadian company that makes the coolest interactive video screens. You can write on them and all that kind of stuff. There's some amazing pictures on their smart uh, on their site, which is smarttech.com. Also, they have some incredible educational products, and I'm excited to learn about that. You all know that I'm obsessed with education and bringing it into the world of technology and making it better. Nicholas, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Well, doing really well. Thanks for having me on the show, Jim. Really appreciate uh, you reaching out. Uh, it is our pleasure. So did I get it right? You are video screens, mostly in the tech space. Tell us about the company. What percent yeah. is technology? How old y'all been or how, you know, how long you've been around all that stuff? Tell yeah. us about okay, smart sure. tech. Yeah. So smart technologies, uh, we've been around for a long time. Uh, 1987, we are the inventors of the interactive whiteboard category which is basically the computer boards or the, the monitors displays that you have in the majority of classrooms in the United States and around the world, in fact. And so we are the founders of that category. We're the inventors of that category. Uh, and uh, people say they want a smart board. Uh, it's basically that is the Kleenex, the Hoover, uh, however you want to say it, uh, for the industry. Uh, about 95, 90 to 95% of business is education. And about five to ten percent is in the enterprise space and personal home office, uh, meeting rooms, conference rooms, that type of thing. And what kind of market share do you have? Uh, we're around twenty percent now globally, uh, number one or two in the market, uh, and uh, it's a expanding market. Uh, and we were, you know, when we were the first, we had I think seventy, eighty percent of the market share because we're simply the first. But of course, the market has uh, expanded tremendously since then. Uh, and we're sitting at a solid first or second place in all the markets that we operate in. All right. And you sell directly to school systems? No, no. So we, we sell through a channel, uh, and uh, we sell to districts, uh, so school systems districts, ministries of education. Uh, every country in the world is different in that sense. Uh, it really depends on how the funding comes into the schools. We do private schools in say uh, China, for instance, private school. So that's like doing business with a, with a business, uh, a normal business. In the United States, it's a lot of bond money. It's a lot of fundraising. Uh, and in Europe, uh, it's a lot of ministerial kind of government uh, money that comes out. Recently, ESSER funding in the U.S. has been a big deal for us. Right. Well, the schools in America now have billions of dollars they're sitting on still. So uh, they should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, th I think it's one of those things with education is, it's it's more of a people problem than it is a money. Once you solve the money problem, it becomes a people problem and a change management uh, uh, problem, which is very complex to solve. What do you mean a people problem? I don't. You mean dealing uh, uh, with? So, yeah. So uh, my my background is very technical. So you know, I, you, you think you can solve everything with a technical solution? When it comes to education, uh, it's a it's a social it's a social issue. You have teachers, you have administrators, you have students, you have parents. And so when you introduce technology into a classroom, it's not just as simple as hanging something on the wall. Uh, you have to figure out how to get the teacher to use it, make sure that it's beneficial for them, the students, uh, and ultimately that you, uh, you can show that you have edu positive educational outcomes, right? And so 
we've learned through our 37 year journey that it's not just the technology, it's also the connections that you make and how you support the customer that really make the difference. So how does this make education better? Walk through why my third grader is going to be a better third grader simply because they can write on the wall. Yeah, sure. So it's, that's exactly, that's exactly the paradigm that we're, we're trying to avoid telling people. So we believe uh, strongly our kind of uh, reason for getting up in the morning is we believe that there's greatness in every, every learner. So there's a potential to do great things. And so how do you, how do you free that potential out? Well, you make the teacher's uh, life, the pedagogical practices in the classroom, uh, you, you help automate those, you help make those better for the teacher so the teacher can free up time to work with each individual learner and kind of customize uh, their lessons and help them get to that point where they have that transformational moment where they go from knowing something to learning something to doing something with it. Uh, and uh, so we view technology as being a aid to teachers in the classroom. And so it's not that you have a smart board and it's not that you have the software, but it's that you use those tools to help you do your job better uh, so that a teacher can teach and you have that personal interaction with the students. So it's, 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 not, a, it's not a means to an end. It's a, it's a uh, technology as an assistive uh, tool in the classroom. What percent of kids learn better visually? Oh, it's, it's, it's an enormous percent uh, of, of people that learn better visually. But that's people versus kids. I'm sorry to interrupt. Do, I guess the issue is, do learning styles change as people get older and their brains change? Yeah, so, so the, the, most important, the most important thing is to engage the student or the learner in the subject that's going on. So you have to make it engaging, right? So gamification and interactivity of content is a huge deal. So that's all, most of that is visual. And so uh, kids, young people, and even old people, we do work with old age homes uh, where, where the learning process is very similar, but engagement and interactivity are the two keys. Once you have a student engaged in a subject matter, uh, particularly if it's interactive, they will, they will uh, invest time and energy in learning that subject matter. And so, Yes, uh, most, I would say, it's, it's pretty well known that an interactive uh, lesson uh, that's visual is a very, very useful way to teach uh, children. We've also learned over the ages that, you know, the really bright kids, uh, they can learn by themselves uh, in the dark with a candle, right? So really where, they, where the technology really helps is on the people with uh, learning disabilities, accessibility issues, uh, or, or other, uh, you know, nonverbal students, that's where we see the really big life-changing impacts of technology. And uh, that's what uh, really motivates us to keep going with this. Well, I love the mission. Anything we can do to make the education system better, uh, Godspeed to that. So how many different countries yeah. are you selling in? Uh, we do about, we sell into about 170 different countries around the world. Wow. Uh, and like, uh, so we've been at this for quite a while. So we are the de facto standard for this. Uh, and you know, uh, we see the same, same issues in, in every country. Teachers are teachers, students are students, people are people. And that's why I come back to like, you know, selling education, selling technology into education specifically is, is interesting because it is a social, it is a lot of social people interactive, uh, interactions that we have to deal with. Uh, but 170 countries, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, 
the, the key, the really ones that stand out as far as having excellent practices, Singapore, Finland, places like that, they do a fantastic job uh, of, of employing technology in the classrooms, and you can really see the results from it. But yeah, we have a very, very broad footprint of what we sell into. And you're Canadian, so you're allowed to do this. As an outsider, how does the United States rank up? Uh, the, the United States. No, no, no. I mean, I'm comment on results. It's, it's. I think the United States is a a tremendous uh, country because of the dynamic environment that you're in. And I visited schools in the United States that have been absolutely first class, right? And dealing with some very, very big uh, issues uh, coming out of COVID. Uh, you know, just w- where society is. Uh, but I've seen some tremendous schools. Florence one is one that stands out to me where they implemented um, uh, technology just before COVID hit. And, and they did a really bang up job with getting, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots, made sure everybody had access to the internet at home. Everybody had a device, uh, you know, the teachers were trained, the administration was, was uh, trained as well. And we got the system up and running. So, you know, there are uh, schools within the many schools within the U S that are doing a fantastic job at deploying technology. And there's also other ones that are, that are struggling a little bit. So this, School District of Philadelphia, for one, is doing a fantastic job as well. So uh, I, I could name maybe a hundred or so, but uh, yeah, it's not just in in uh, Finland and Singapore. Uh, it's just that those stand out uh, probably because they're much smaller and they have a much more homogeneous uh, society to work with. So the policies are easier to implement. In the U.S., it's more of a mosaic where every school district has uh, significant uh, decision making authority of how they how they deploy the technology. Yes. So I have four children, Nicholas, and yeah. to watch them go through the uh, system and to see all of a sudden they start bringing home computers that I didn't buy. Well, I guess I did buy them because I paid a <laughs> yeah. bunch of taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, but what, what, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. You sound like you want to say something. Go. Yeah. So, so we've, we've, you know, over the, over the course of the history of the company, uh, we've looked at, you know, what is it that makes for a successful deployment? And what is it that, that uh, makes it for a non-successful deployment? And we've come up with 32 different aspects that you have to consider in order for uh, deployment of technology, whether it's a Wi-Fi router, a printer, or an interactive flat panel like we sell a display. And we had to add, it used to be 27, but because of COVID, we had to add five additional aspects related to home. So parents. So just as you said, you know, I've got four children. They all came home with their own. Chromebooks probably or laptops or something. I didn't buy them. I didn't know how to use them. Uh, so the parents are a bigger, a bigger part of the equation today than they have been in the past, uh, simply because there's a reliance on the children having access when they're at home to, to content and material and lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I said it's, it's technology, but it's really, when I say social problem, it's not a, it's not a problem. It's a social it's a social uh, uh, problem that you have to solve. Uh, so it's not a bad thing. It's just that you have to take into consideration all of the different uh, stakeholders uh, in order to have a successful deployment. And I think education is a little bit unique that way. And how do you go about marketing? What are your marketing channels today? Uh, so we do, we do uh, uh, out of market. So just brand recognition, that's at the highest level. So like just making sure that people understand you know, uh, what the brand is about. Then we go down and we do specific uh, initiatives, uh, digital, of course. Uh, we also do trade shows uh, and we also do uh, specific uh, 
uh, uh, what are called uh, campaigns with our channel members uh, to go in. Uh, but really, for us, it's all about the brand. It's all about what we call inspiring greatness. Uh, that's our that's our brand uh, uh, purpose. Our promise is to make connections that matter. So if you if you work with Smart, we will make sure that we connect you with the right people to help you solve your problems, whether they're due to the technology that we sold you or whether they're due to other things. We will be there to support you to have a successful deployment. Uh, and then, of course, we rely heavily on just the culture of what Smart is. So just being ambassadors for our product. And we also recruit ambassadors from our customer base uh, to kind of evangelize uh, with with other customers because word of mouth is one of the most powerful marketing uh, tools uh, in the uh, in the segment that we're in. Yeah, I would have to think that if you had a successful deployment and could bring me in and show me that, boy, am I going to want it for my school system? You know? So. Oh, absolutely! No, absolutely. I mean that, and that that has worked for us. It continues to work for us uh, globally, right? Uh, so. It's, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting, uh, but it's also very rewarding because your customers uh, become very loyal uh, as, they, as they kind of adopt your solution. Nicholas, have you ever heard the story about how they sold air conditioning at the very beginning? They couldn't sell it. It was just not working. And so they started giving away units to people who lived only if they could show that their neighbors, a whole bunch of neighbors would be able to hear it at night. And the neighbors who didn't have it, you know, like say on a really crowded New York city street where you could blast the noise out and, you know, that was their marketing. Just, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. go. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of like what this is. Right. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I I like the, you know, your approach to talking about businesses, but the, the kind of real feet on the street, kind of people hearing about things, talking about things, the the virality of, of your solution is absolutely something that has been working for us for the decade for a couple of decades now. Nicholas, what's the HR situation look like in Canada? Well, we're hiring right now, so we're out recruiting uh, talent. Uh, talent is always difficult Do you need any to get. Project <laughs> managers, uh, all, all project managers, uh, software developers, hardware developers, salespeople. Uh, so. Quite a few, uh, quite a few opportunities. Uh, we're in a position now where we're going to really go after some of the growth areas uh, that we feel that our technology can be assistive in, uh, and uh, you know we want to do it in a very measured way. We've learned that the Big Bang is not good, uh, a good way to go, uh, especially if you understand the market that you're in. Uh, it's a much more measured incremental uh, approach where you really look at what is the problem that you're solving for a customer. So really validating, you know, all the things you learn in business school, but really validating what is the use case? What is the problem that's being solved? Is it better? Is it not better? Testing those out. Uh, So all the skills and resources around doing that in about four or five different areas in parallel uh, is what we're going to be all about in the next year or so. Uh, just to kind of test these markets out, and uh, if it if it works out and these pilots work out, then of course we'll add additional resources and put an incremental investment in, and then grow the businesses. We have in the past, you know, done big bang projects where hey, this is a great idea, let's just go hard at it. Uh, the problem is you run out of cash before the customers understand what you're selling, and so uh, building value and understanding the customer problem. Uh, takes time, unfortunately, and uh, we have uh, 
I've taken that approach now. We're using something called the Wellspring process, I believe is what my product managers are calling it. Uh, but really making sure that we go through the process methodically. Uh, of course, there's exciting things that happen that you have to react to. Uh, and we'll get on top of those things. But being very, very diligent in uh, how we're approaching these new pilot areas. Uh, and we think that that's going to work for us. What's your sales cycle look like? How long does uh, it take it, to make a sale? Uh, take a sale. So uh, for education, the sales cycle is probably about six to eight months, at least maybe 12, 12 months. Internationally, uh, it can be up to two years. Uh, we're just uh, we're just doing a deal in Southeast Asia now that we've been doing for two years. Uh, in the enterprise sector, so when we sell a small medium business, it's uh, you know it's a thirty day cycle. Uh, but when you get into institutions like education, uh, especially public schools, it could be up to six to eight months. And then universities is a much shorter thing; it's probably three to four months. Uh, so it depends on the institution. But most of our business is six to eight months. All right, and, and then. then Payment cycle is over years. No, no, we get paid right away. Uh, so most of the most of the institutions will pay you within thirty to forty five days. Uh, most of it's federal money or, or state money or provincial right, yeah. money. Uh, yeah. So so payment is not really it's not it's not a it's not a lease type of thing. We do offer you know we call it class classroom as a service where we lease uh, we lease uh, hardware and software into schools. It hasn't been very popular because most of the uh, most of the uh, spending is capital, capex, not opex. So uh, leasing has not been uh, that popular. And you said you were going to send one for me to play with. Is that what I heard from your publicist? Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot. Uh, I wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, but, I, but I can't. I, I can't. I can't tell you though that that uh, all the all the colleagues I have that have uh, home offices, once they start using it, once they start doing demos on it for customers and sales calls, uh, they find it an essential part of their workflow, which is really what we're trying to to uh, to get to to make it a, a a tool that's not just a display that you watch the football game on, but something that you actually use to help you get your job done. And. What is the biggest problem facing you right now? Is it, I don't know. What is it? What's your biggest issue facing the business? Sounds like it's all pretty well, perfect, Nicholas. Well, your customers I mean, like, have billions of dollars they're sitting on. You're in the number one position. I mean, it sounds yeah. like you should be fishing a lot more ice fishing yeah, well, season. Let's, let's just say that, uh, the, the, the federal funding that has been going on since COVID has been a, a really a really great opportunity that we've taken advantage of, uh, with our, of course, with our competition, we're not alone in the market. Uh, the, I think the biggest problem is geopolitical at the moment. Uh, you know, there's a war going on in Ukraine. There's another one in Israel. Uh, there's a trade, trade war, call it with, with China and Asia. Uh, so it's really geopolitical. And, uh, because the business is very reliant on its, uh, hardware sales, uh, supply chain is one of the big uh, the big yeah. concerns that we have managed closely, right? But as far as opportunity goes, uh, I would say it, there's lots of opportunity. Uh, we uh, our challenge from a management perspective is to stay focused and just do it exactly what I said. Let's let's do one pilot. Let's understand the customer. Um, it takes time, and of course, patience is one of those things that that you have to have. 
but we believe strongly that uh, if you do it correctly, you will have something that's worth uh, something in the long term, which is what we're all about. What about your personal management style, Nicholas? As an engineer, an MIT man, how do you focus on soft skills and teaching yourself the, the necessary skills to you know, make a, a nice CEO that everyone likes and doesn't want to kill? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you'd have to ask the people that work for me, but I mean, one of the things that I, I, I like to do is just to keep things real. Let, let, let's, let's get the hyperbole so things aren't as bad as people think, things aren't as good as people think. Let's just find out what the real facts are and have a, have a good, uh, you know, multilateral discussion around all of the different facts. If we can reach consensus on how to move forward, that's great. Uh, if at the end of a meeting or a decision-making process we cannot, then of course I have to make a decision based on my best estimate or guess or gut feel of what's the right thing to do. Uh, but really collaboration and making all the employees feel part of something, feel part of, feel proud of the company that they work for uh, is one of the key things. Uh, also focusing on the alignment. It's surprising, you know, well, we, we have employees all over the world. Uh, it's surprising to me uh, in retrospect, that should have been obvious, but how much effort um, it takes uh, on a personal level just to go meet people, talk to people, to get them, uh, A, to feel part of the team and also get them connected to the strategy and aligned with the things that we need to do. Uh, so we spend a lot of time uh, and effort uh, with something we call core training sessions where really all we talk about is the employee, the company, and the vision and strategy of where we're going. And so we spend two days in, uh, in multiple regions. Uh, so every single employee in the company gets at least two days with the executive uh, to talk about them, their careers, their career development, the company, the strategy, the alignment. We get to hear from them. Uh, so it's a very hands-on, personal type of approach. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I don't know if my employees are, but uh, our, <laughs> engagement, our, our, our employee engagement scores are very, very high. I think we're in the top 5% or 10% of tech companies. Uh, so very, very happy with that uh, from a Mercer survey perspective. Well, congratulations. And Mercer, that's very yeah. respectable. I, you know, we all know that brand name. So, yeah. uh, that yeah, means so, something. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to sound like it's just been an easy trip, but it's, you know, it feels rewarding when all the hard work and just doing things incrementally and correctly uh, pay off in the long run. Uh, you have your ups and downs. You just have to see your way through it and keep plugging away. And if you believe in what you're doing, I think that's a big part of being successful. Uh, persistence is probably the single most powerful force in nature. <laughs> so uh, if you're convicted and, and uh, of what, that what you're doing is the right thing and you believe that you're solving a problem for somebody, um, I think, yeah, it's, it's the way to go. Great story, Nicholas. Congratulations on all the four decades of success and uh, creating the, you know, the brand name that everyone uses is yeah. certainly the Kleenex success story. So congratulations on that. All right. So when you hear SmartBoard, think of us. <laughs> There's no one else. That's right. How yeah. do we learn more about your company? Find out, uh, follow all yeah. that. Yeah, smarttech.com. So S-M-A-R-T-T-E-C-H.com is the best place to go. You can learn about the company there. We have a lot of social media feeds as well on LinkedIn, uh, X. I was going to say Twitter X. Uh, Facebook. So uh, you can find us there by just typing in smart technologies uh, and uh, you'll see us there. Big smile on our face. Fantastic. Nicholas, thank you so very much. Great stuff. 
All right. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Ho'oponopono. Seriously, I didn't make that word up. It's a Hawaiian word. We'll be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. I am very excited and honored to introduce another amazing guest to the show. Please welcome Ma Bell Katz. She is one of the world's most famous personal growth leaders. She is a superstar in 40 countries around the world, especially Spanish-speaking countries, originally from Argentina, but grew to L.A., Five or moved to LA uh, four or five decades ago, where she became a very successful business consultant and an accountant and a tax advisor. She was living the true American dream the husband, the house, the uh, kids, and all of that very successful career. She decided that she wasn't having enough, that there was something more. And so she began studying the ancient art of Hawaiian. Ho'oponopono, which is called The Secret Behind the Secret. She has a brand new book out talking about the 100 questions that people ask about Ho'oponopono. Mabel, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Fine, Jim. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you. Well, it is my honor. Tell us about Ho'oponopono. Am I pronouncing it almost right? Almost, almost. Ho'oponopono. So I, I always say the only thing that could sound difficult is the name because it's very easy to practice. You can just say thank you or I love you to your problems, you know, whatever worries you so that you can come back to present and find the right solutions, uh, get the right answers to your question. Who do I say I love you to? You said to the problem? Yeah, actually, you know, Ho'oponopono is, a, is an inside job. You are not saying it to anybody outside of yourself because actually problems are not the problem, but our reaction to the problems is the problem. So the idea is that we can get, you know, distance from the problem, don't identify with it, and kind of let go. We are talking always about letting go and letting go Letting go of what? Of, of our engagement, our reaction, our opinions, our beliefs. You know, we are always having conversations with ourselves, creating stories, thinking that we know. So the, and, and all of that takes you always to the past or takes you to get anxious or worry about the future. And the idea is that the present moment is all you have. So the idea is how you can let go moment by moment to be present. All right. I want to be present. I mean, that sounds awesome. So, Marbell, as you said, it sounds too easy. Okay, so uh, let's back up. 
Tell us about yourself. How did you get involved in this? What have you learned? How has it changed your life? Tell us about your personal journey. Yes. So, um, like you said, first, I would like to answer that. You know, first is, yes, we are suspicious of everything that is simple. And I want people to, uh, to also realize that we are suspicious even of happiness. <laughs> you know, when you see somebody that is happy, you think they are smoking something, yes? Um, so, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, usually, you know, we disregard anything that is simple. I hope Ho'oponopono is too simple. So I'll tell you my journey. My journey is, like you mentioned in the beginning, I had everything that you think you need to be happy, but I wasn't. You know, even my mother used to visit me uh, in uh, Los Angeles, um, from, she would come from Argentina and she would actually show me, you know, everything that I had, the house, you know, the big house and the new cars and, and the husband that loved me very much and two beautiful and healthy boys. And my mother used to ask me, what's wrong? You know, and I didn't even know, Jim, what was wrong. I was always angry. I would see all the negatives. I, nothing was enough to make me happy. And one day, my oldest son talked to me angry, the way I used to talk to him. And um, I woke up. When I saw him, I saw myself. And I said, that's me. He learned that from me. That's not what I wanted to teach him. And I had all those conversations in that moment. And I also told myself, Mabel, you have to do something. So I said, I'm looking for happiness in the wrong places. And as soon as I made that decision that I had to change or that I had to start, you know, a search, um, things started coming to me. If it wasn't a book that, a, a, you know, somebody recommended me or a seminar or a class or things like that, just, they started coming one after the other. But one of the things that I noticed that even things that helped me or, or in my past, um, I noticed that there was a lot of drama. We tend to tell a lot of stories. We tend to find who to blame for our problems. And that's when I started having a little voice in my head that said, there must be a, a, an easier way. There has to be an easier way. And when I took the Ho'oponopono, also just came to me. It wasn't me looking, it just came to me. I felt attracted to go and said, okay, I'm going to take this training now. And um, it wasn't my first seminar, but I realized there was something there. And, and I kept coming back and coming back. I even invited my teacher. My teacher ended up being my teacher for over 10 years later. Um, but the thing is, one day I was actually repeating, you know, reviewing the training and I realized, oh my goodness, this is what I was looking for. Because I'll tell you what are the things that that I realized. First of all, Ho'oponopono is about 100% responsibility. So I realized that if I take 100% responsibility, I can change my life. If I keep blaming or complaining, I'm giving my power away. Yeah, there is somebody out there that has to do something. Now it's up to me, and it depends on me. I realize that when I change, everything changes, not the other way around. 
I realized that, um, again, all I have is this present moment. And all the tools that we use in Ho'oponopono is about coming back to present, letting go of your reaction. So give, you are giving permission to a part of you that knows better to erase, to transmute, and to inspire you with with the right uh, move, with you know, to guide you, um, to open doors, etc. So that's why my first books were called The Easiest Way, because I always said I found the easiest way. Fantastic. That was great. A lot of useful information there. One of the things that people make fun of is the secret, that it sounds silly that if yes. I want something, I get it. Uh, what yes. are your th you, you immediately responded. Yes. Like you, you're, you're ready to respond. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? Yes. Yes. yes I, I love that. What happened is the secret shows you a part of us that can be manipulated. They say that we have 16 bits of information that we are conscious of. That's the part that the secret talks about. Okay, you can manipulate, you can feel it, you know, just imagine that you are already in the house that you want or you are driving the car that you want. So it's all, like again, first of all, goes back to all the material things that you think will make you happy. The other thing is that we have 11 millions of bits of information per second in our subconscious mind. And that's the part that really manifests in our life. That's why people have a problem with taking responsibility because they said, how could I, you know, be attracting this in my life? No way. How could I be responsible? Well, because it's in your subconscious mind. You're not aware of that. But there is a part of us that if you give permission, can work on your subconscious mind, can erase so that you don't keep replaying. So there are a couple of things. First of all, in Ho'oponopono, we said it's the subconscious mind, the, the, the real manifestor in your life. Uh, only God can work on the, uh, on the subconscious mind. Even, you know, some um, scientists now uh, also said all the, our problems are in, a, in our subconscious mind. The other thing is when you use that part that you can manipulate, you know, your conscious thoughts, um, you don't know what is right for you. So then you attract the house, like I did. You know, I attracted the house. I attracted the cars. I attracted everything, you know, check, check, check. But I was not happy because we don't know what is right for us. So with this hope and upon, I'm letting go and I allow, allowing a part of me that knows better what is right and better for me. So it's giving permission to a part of you that knows better. So how do I use this information? Uh, how do I get started? What's the system? Yeah, so, you know, Ho'oponopono became famous for four phrases. Yes, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. And a lot of people uh, know Ho'oponopono by that, and they think that that's it. But... Ho'oponopono actually is taking responsibility. I'm sorry for, for whatever is in me that is attracting this. Not because we are guilty, not because we are sinners, not because we are bad people. Just responsible. What is it in my subconscious mind that is attracting this? And, and allowing, like I said before, an, a part of us to, to do it. Now, 
Ho'oponopono became very easy because one day my, my teacher received a message that said, just tell them to say thank you. I know what they mean. So it's not like you have to say I'm sorry or please forgive me or anything. You can just repeat thank you instead of engaging, instead of reacting. I will explain it in a different way. We all work with computers by now, yes? So we know how, it, how, how they work or how to work it. So it, life is about things that show up in your monitor, yes? So programs that you have downloaded in your subconscious mind. You have two, only, only two choices. You can talk to the monitor. You can try the monitor to change, but you know I don't think it will work. But you also have a delete key. So you can press the delete key. When, when we do Ho'oponopono, we are pressing the delete key instead of talking to the monitor. And I don't need to understand what the computer does after I, you know, uh, press the delete key. I just need to let go by pressing the key and trusting. Trusting that there is a part of me that will take care of me. How do I even know what is in my subconscious mind? How do I change what's going on in my subconscious mind if I don't know what's in my subconscious mind? Yeah, that's why. This is the, the part that I love about Ho'oponopono. I don't need to know. There is a part of me, when I'm doing it, I'm giving the control to, to the part of me that knows. So I don't have a clue what is there, and I don't need to. That's what I love, because in other uh, things that I did before Ho'oponopono, it's like going back and relieving and suffering again and going to, to the thing and again, finding who I need to blame for that told me something or did something to me and that's why, you know. So this is about letting go without knowing. So, for example, if I have a pro if I ha I'm in fear or, or I have a problem that is I consider a serious problem and I don't know where to go, I just repeat, I let go and trust, I let go and trust, I let go and trust. We do it mentally, like we do the four phrases or we do the thank you or the I love you or... For example, another way of explaining, we have a tool that is, uh, is called a light switch. So I always explain, Ho'oponopono is about turning on the light. When you have a problem, that means that the light is off. So the light is off and we keep, you know, wanting to be right or having the last word or discussing with people. Um, of trying to convince them or showing, you know, uh, our point of view. In this case, you, you turn on the light. It turns on for you. It turns on for everybody. And suddenly, you know, other people also can see things uh, or change in front of you that you never thought it was possible. And only because you turn on the light. So the idea is here is letting go of having the last word or being right and choosing to be happy, choosing to be at peace. That's what I was looking for. For example, I was very successful as an accountant in Argentina and in the United States. I was not looking to change careers. I, I, I thought that professionally I was successful and I was okay and I was making money. I didn't have money problems or issues. So I was looking for peace and happiness in my personal life. 
But because I started letting go and trusting, it's like life took me, you know, different places, opened different doors, things that I never thought possible or I never dreamed of. Absolutely fascinating. I love your light switch analogy and earlier your computer analogy with the delete button. Just great. Maubel, one of the things that we talk about with the young generation today, our 20-year-olds, is they don't know what their purpose is. They have no idea why they want to be alive. They don't know what their gifts are. I know that one of the things you write about is searching for your your, your gifts, your, your journey. Yes. How do I find yes. what I want, what I'm good at? How do I tell my 25-year-old how to find what they want? Yes, Jim, unfortunately, young people didn't choose the, the best time to be here on Earth, yes? Our, our world uh, changed a lot. I, what I tell young people is that they can be happy now. They don't have to wait like us. You know, we as parents, we have to be happy. If we are happy, they will be okay, and they will find the way. Now, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, you know, like you have to be perfect. I was the perfect accountant, you know. I was the perfect mother. I was, no wonder I was, I was so unhappy, <laughs> yes? The pressure that we put on ourselves. I'll tell you the question that made a big difference in my life and made a lot of this clear for me. Somebody asked me, what would you do even if you don't get paid because you love it? You know, I feel that a perfect world would be one that we all do what we love because then we will have money, we will have the resources, we will be a channel, we will be in the flow. Right now, because we think we have to find a job or have a title, to, to be honest with you, I always recommend young people not to go to university or go to the university once you know what you love, what you will do. Not go to the university for the wrong reasons, to be somebody. You know, we, I went to the university to be somebody because I thought if I had a title, then I'll be somebody, you know? I, so that's, that's the thing. I think we have to get out of the box and, and allow our kids to choose from their heart, not their mind. Or, or again, not to look for something because I'm going to be, uh, get, uh, to be a millionaire. No, don't do things for money. The money will always come when you put love first. When you do what you love, then it will be much easier. We are, we've been programmed, Jim, you know, to find a job, to work, 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 and things like that. And, and, and again, that's why we created such an unhappy place here. So there, for me, is to start paying attention. What is it that I'm good at? What is it that is easy for me? Because usually when we come, we bring the talents and the gifts. We are all unique. There is nobody that can do what we do and vice versa. Yeah. So the idea is, what is it that I'm good at? What is it that, but easy? It is something that I enjoy, that it doesn't, it, it's effortless. You know, because we are always thinking that we are incomplete, that there is something missing, you know, that we are not good enough. We compare. Since we are very little, we, we learn to compare ourselves with other people. We are unique. There is nobody again like us. 
So there are a lot of things that we need to relearn, you know, and realize that what we've been practicing, it doesn't work. Is it okay to want money? Yes. I mean, I live a very good life, but I, I don't do it for the money. The money just comes. And, and I want to also make something very clear because I don't want people to close because I, I mentioned God. I was not a believer. So I understand I can talk to people that don't believe and all that stuff because I was not a believer. But when I started letting go and trusting, things started happening to me and I realized I was, there was no way I was doing that by, all by myself. I realized there was help there. So if you ask for help, the help comes. But yes, the money will always come. It's hard when you put it first, when you do it for the money. But no, there is nothing wrong. God is in the money too. That's another programming, you know, that we decided to believe. No way. No. You always will have what you need when you need it. And especially if you are on purpose and you are on mission or something, nothing to worry about. You will always have what you need. You have a chapter on relationships. How do you handle bad relationships, people that are not doing what you want? Okay, so you are talking about professionally, or, I mean, at work, or yeah, all, all kinds of professionally and at home. Okay, so the idea is when you take 100% responsibility, everything changes because you are not trying again to convince or to have the last word. So you take 100% responsibility and it's the same thing as the example that I gave you with the delete key or the turning on the light. So you, yes, you can, you know, I, you get to a point and say, who cares who's right? <laughs> you know, I want to be happy. So you, you put yourself first, you do what works for you, you stop listening to what other people think. This applies also, I needed to say it because this applies also very important for young people, you know, and looking for their purpose or their mission. But in, in a relationship, it works that, I always said, you know, I have, I have children that come to my, uh, to my trainings, I have couples, I have singles, every, everybody, all kinds of people come to my training. So um, when they come together, I always tell them how lucky, because if you both know this, at least when one is going through the roller coaster, the other one can stay, you know, grounded, you know, and not engaged. Uh, because it's, again, it's not about, you know, discussing who's right or things like that. So what, what happens is this can bring a lot of harmony in a relationship. And also there could be even separation, but no suffering because it was right for both parties. Yeah. So the idea is I don't need to be right. I don't have to have the last word. I choose to be happy. And, and always, like I said, people press the delete key before you talk, <laughs> you know, wait at least 90 seconds or something before, you know, you, you talk. Sometimes I, I also say, you know, if we don't, we wouldn't talk, we wouldn't have that many problems. Uh, yeah, because that's what gets us in trouble. You know, that we talk, that we, again, we try to impose our point of view and things like that. But definitely it brings a lot of peace. This is about bringing peace and happiness and freedom to your life. 
Yeah. So yep. Again, not depending on other people or anything. Yes. I sure wish I had a 90 second delete button that I could delete an email 90 seconds later. I would have used that a thousand times in my life. So. Uh, yeah, so you, I, I, sometimes I tell people, even if you have a stopwatch, you know, 90 seconds, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, before you talk, because that's what it gets us in trouble. Right. Fascinating. Mobel, how do we find out more? Follow you online, get a copy of the book. Okay, so you, my book is uh, available in Amazon.com. Uh, my latest book is 100 Questions About Ho'oponopono. And also my, my, well, my social media, Mabel Katz, my website, MabelKatz.com. There are a lot of free resources. Like if you have never heard of Ho'oponopono and did some, something that we, I said resonated with you, uh, there is a free video uh, course, a basic course about Ho'oponopono. And, and my events and everything I do, monthly classes, question and answers, you can talk to me directly via Zoom or, or ask your questions. Uh, it's part of a membership, but you can just sign up for the class. So many, many different ways. Jim, thank you for that. Thank you, Mabel. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much for being with us and enjoy Spain in... Is it, I guess it, is it cold? It's not cold there right now. I mean, it's it's uh, a little in nicer. Malaga. Uh, in Malaga, it? it's like California. Right. In uh, Malaga, it's right. the same weather as California. Right. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Great stuff. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. God bless everybody. We are out of time, but we come back next Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe, everyone. God bless. Bye now.